Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peace of Authenticity Podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Jordan. And we are the Andersons. In 2020, the Lord really challenged us on starting our own podcast. And so we invite you to join us on the journey of following Jesus every day. So let's grow together and learn together. Let's go. What up, everybody? Hey. What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Peace of Authenticity. It's going to be good. And you know what? Welcome back to you. Yeah. Welcome back <laughs> to me. Yeah. Jordan did an incredible job last week. Guys, I, I know you. that you guys that, that listen to it know that it was it was awesome. It was um, really authentic and genuine like we want it to be. And it was cool. Yeah. And uh, so we're coming back hard with... We are, actually. Yeah. yeah. Like... Listen, this episode is going to be a little so bit good. different. Um, we're going to try to keep it conversational, but the reality is there's so much information that mm-hmm. we want you guys to have that it's hard. I, I would like to say that I have all this stuff memorized, but I don't. Definitely so I'm going to be not. looking at my notes. Jordan's going to be looking at her notes. So I hope that you guys are taking notes because this is going to be an incredible teaching mm-hmm. of yet how we connect what we the stories that we know from the old testament and how we connect that to christ the the bible from genesis to revelation is one giant love story and it all points to christ all of it and so we have to learn to read the old testament and understand even though that is old covenant and we live in a new covenant everything there before the book of matthew in your bible is trying to point you toward christ Mm -hmm. and the symbolism in it is absolutely crazy but today we're going to start off talking about one of the the coolest experiences that that we got to um, Mm -hmm. go through in in israel and that was we got to walk through the life-size model of the old testament tabernacle the one that God instructed Moses how to build and was so specific on every little thing that was there. They they built a a life like a, a replica. Yeah, a replica. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was looking for. A that's replica of the tabernacle. And we got to walk in and see all the different spots where the priests would go, people would come in, the priests would go and they would go through the purification process mm-hmm. so that they could go into the Holy of Holies and meet with God. And it was smack dab in the middle of the Israel desert. So that was really cool to experience too. Exactly how it would have looked around after they built, you know, because anytime they moved, they had to re-put up this tabernacle and they camped around it. We'll go a little more in depth with how that happened and how they did it. But man, it was so, so cool. Like just surreal to be a part of that and get to see it. So... Um, yeah, of course, yeah. we'll have some pictures and some videos for you guys to see. While yeah, we we're going to put some pictures too. up there, too. Um, and also, there's going to be some illustrations. And mm-hmm. I, I just want to say at the beginning, before anybody gets too much into it, we are going to be dropping a lot of Bible verses in on these, like as we're talking about these illustrations and stuff like that. So just make sure you write them down. I'm going to have them flash up probably on the screen as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but just make sure you write them down because we're not actually going to read those word for word per se the whole time. Um, I just want you to get a visual of what we're talking about mm-hmm. and then you can study it on your own time and let it, you know, become revelation to you on the side. But, 
Um, yeah, so basically when you would walk up to, I think it's amazing because God, God tells Moses to build this tabernacle, right, for all the people. And then as they're camping, which you already know, and just in case you don't, the Israelites were marching around in the desert for 40 years before mm-hmm. they got to inherit the promised land. And so God tells them, this is what I want my house to look like because God in, like, was indwelling in. He wanted the, to yeah, dwell with Yeah, that was his dwelling place amongst his people as they were going through the desert. And um, so it had to be able to tear down, mm-hmm. right? They had to tear it down. Anytime they moved, they took it with them, right? So it had to be easily taken down. I mean, I know maybe some of you guys have experience with doing church that you don't have oh. a building yet and you yeah. have to set up and tear down and do stuff like that. So um, maybe you kind of know a little bit of, of that pain. But he instructed them to build this tabernacle and, and put it in the middle, of all the people. Mm -hmm. And as all the children of Israel set up their tents to camp, they all faced the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. Every tent opening was facing. So it was on all four sides. Mm -hmm. And um, actually one of the articles that we kind of dove into is in Numbers chapter two. It specifically talks about uh, all all of Numbers chapter two Mm -hmm. is the arrangement of how the children of Israel are supposed to camp around the tabernacle. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny because one of the illustrations that we found that we're actually going to put up on the screen um, actually shows that it's in the shape of a cross. Mm -hmm. Because the certain uh, population of each tribe, it takes it into effect of how long their camping site would be and then the next. But yeah, the Lord is very intentional. And Every single thing that the Lord says, you know, for building the tabernacle is extremely important and for a purpose. And we will obviously go into that, but it's just so cool to see that and hear it. Yeah. And and so like what basically what we want to do is we're going we're going to put a picture up right here, maybe some videos or whatever, but um I'm just kinda 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 walk you through it as if we are in the camp. Yeah. Like right, as if if we are a a uh, you know a, a man and a woman in in one of the tribes that is. I'd like to think Judah for me. At yeah. least. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like yeah. them. So I'll probably be in Benjamin because I'll be a little failure like Saul. No, I'm just <gasps> kidding. No, but anyway, um, the thing is, okay. So we're we're gonna talk through this like as if you can. Uh, so I want you to visualize this as you look at the pictures because we want to take you on this journey with us. So you're, you're walking in, and let's say it's your tribe's day. I don't know how it was split up. Like mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a cafeteria schedule or whatever. But maybe, A lunch, B lunch. Yeah, maybe it was like your tribe's day to bring your sacrifices mm-hmm. to, the, to the tabernacle. The first thing that, that you're going to see, you're going to notice as you walk, no matter where you're camped at in all four directions of the tabernacle, you're going to notice the, the white linen fence basically around Around it it. Mm -hmm. it's it's bright like it's white so um the the guy uh that that we've been studying after that that actually wrote the article that a lot of our Mm -hmm. studying comes from he said that a lot of the children of israel's tents were kind of a darker color so as you start to see the white it's gonna stick out like crazy yeah um it's it's really gonna catch your attention um, but also it was supposed to be white on purpose because mm-hmm. white is the color of purity. It's mm-hmm. the color of righteousness. It's, it's, it's a color that if you see like a bright white, 
you're you're gonna be automatically convicted right of oh my gosh like every wrong thing that you've done or whatever like it's it's a reminder of you're coming to a pure and a righteous place mm-hmm. so sinners you it's it's time to repent you know what i mean and <laughs> and not like in a you know in a shame and condemnation type way but when you saw the color white you you would automatically think purity you would think mm-hmm. you know that person and and i think it's funny because pharisees would wear white you know and and so they would they would oftentimes want to present you know this purity, pure and, and righteous standard uh and so it can also be a bad thing like i think that when we talk about white being associated with jesus we know it's a good thing but white can also be associated with the pharisees that were wearing it and it was self-righteous instead of just regular righteousness but mm-hmm. yeah so but the, the the boundary around the tabernacle was all made with white linen Mm-hmm. And and it had specific measurements with that as well. Yes, and another like just um, precautionary reason was to keep people away from the holy place mm-hmm. um, because if you were unclean, if you get if you go into the holy place, you did, especially the holy of holy, you know. So it's also like precautionary to protect the people, you know, to yeah. have this thing. But it is a reminder um, like that too. And then of course to hold the linen fence up, there were poles um columns and so they were bronze colored okay so bronze posts held up the white linen and just remember this because we'll we'll see this a a few times in this podcast is bronze represents god's judgment due to man's sins okay so Mm -hmm. think about that they are bronze posts okay and these posts were placed on top of the soil okay which soil represents all humanity so this this is for all humanity we have all fallen short right in romans that it says and and these are holding up these beautiful white linen you know fence curtains all the way around mm-hmm. and then on these bronze posts there was silver on the top of them it was like a cap we actually have a picture for you guys yeah and that represents that there is a price on our head for redemption that must be paid to make us righteous Mm. So, yeah. There's what a, a price on our head. Yeah. <laughs> and it's mm. expensive. Ask Jesus. And um, so then, of course, you have to have a hooks to hold these curtains. Okay. And the hooks were silver as well. It supported the white uh, linen curtains. This represents our ability to become righteous once the price is paid by the blood of Jesus. Mm. So just the flipping fence has so many meanings. Yeah. It almost lures you to it like this is what it could be. You know, this is what, if you, if you go into this, like, it's just a beautiful picture. I yeah. love it. Well, so the, the silver, the silver on top, right? I just, to just to yeah, backpedal just to for, it. just for a second. Um, it, it represents a price on your head, right? In, in the old covenant, you had to bring a sacrifice mm-hmm. in, in order to cover you and your family. If you're the head of a family, you would bring a, uh, not just a sacrifice, but a, a worthy, an unblemished sacrifice that's, that's worthy of the presence of God. And so when, when we're sitting here talking about this stuff, we're talking about the bronze and the, the, um, the, the silver was always, there was always a cost. Mm -hmm. It, it, It wasn't just one day God decided that we were all just sinful. And so he sent Jesus like that. That's not the case. That sin was always there. Yeah. And so there was always a cost to be paid and there were different traditions. There were different ways of doing that. But either way, it goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. 
Cain and Abel, the, mm-hmm. the story brings it in there that Abel brought a sacrifice that pleased the Lord and Cain didn't. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's not just the sacrifice. The silver that must be paid must be there to um, please the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about this, there, there's two uh, references that talks about the price on our heads, right? And there's Numbers 18, 16 and Exodus chapter 30, verse 16. There's, there's always a, a cost mm-hmm. for righteousness. Mm-hmm. It, there, there's a cost. You don't just become righteous for free. You, you always have to count the cost of everything that you do. But anyway, yeah, so you're talking about, um, you're, you're talking about the, the silver hooks. All these things, right? Everything has something to remind you of what God's expectations for his people are. You have, you know, you have the white linens, you have the bronze posts, you have the silver top, silver hooks. You know, you mm-hmm. are you starting to see a picture here? We're trying to, yeah. you know, give you a visualization that every single thing down to the measurements, mm-hmm. the cloth being used, the the metal mm-hmm. that's used to make it, God cares about it all. And he had an opinion on it all. And I love this, like this simple statement at the end of us talking about the fence. All in all, the message of sin, righteousness, and judgment is conveyed to anyone approaching the outer court and seeing Mm -hmm. the wall. Yeah. So good. And just, my voice is cracking because I'm like, a little good. Yeah. So so basically, yeah, these images, sin, righteousness, and judgment to anyone who approaches the outer court and uh, the, the wall... As a whole, this was the next one that I put a star beside this because I was like, this is really cool. The wall as a whole represented the law. You must be perfect to enter the tabernacle complex to approach a holy God. Now, um, you know, the only way to become perfectly righteous is to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior today. Mm -hmm. But then, right, you had to come and bring an offering that's pleasing to God then you had to cleanse yourself. And we're going to go through all these steps, but you had to do it. Mm-hmm. This was the process. that They had a healthy fear of the Lord that was like, you know what? I am seeing all these things because I want my brain to be triggered exactly how heavy this moment yes. is that I'm approaching the God who created the heavens and the earth. And it's such, it's such a powerful such a powerful thing. But luckily for you and for me, those of us that are Christ followers today, we're under that new covenant. So yeah, um, to, in order for us to become righteous, we don't have to offer a sacrifice. We don't have to cleanse ourselves or doing that. Like We just have to basically make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life. And so it is a lot easier, but you still have to understand that all of this is pointing toward the story of Jesus, even all the way back in Exodus. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, so you, you come up, you see the fence, you see the bronze, you see the silver, and, and then you, you head to the entrance. And you head to the gate. And the gate is a curtain, and there are many beautiful colors on it, but there is only one way to get in. There's only one way. Hmm. Who, huh. Does that reflect somebody else we were just talking yeah. about? Yeah. Well, the goal, hopefully there's not a fire at the entrance of the Yeah, there's no the emergency exit. There's only there, one way. There's only one way in and one way out. <laughs> but, of course, that just took I'm me to sure John. I'm pretty sure Jesus said that. Yeah, John 14, specifically John 14, 6, where Jesus replied, yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, we're done. We just okay. need it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but okay, so so for real, you're, you're sitting here talking about all this fence is white until you get to the gate. Yeah. And this is what's cool about this part is because even though the gate is basically curtains, it's it's basically fabric too. Yeah, it's not linen. like a, mm-hmm. a gate that you can lock. Um, you know, not like a siege gate or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it had other colors in it on purpose. And and I so I think that that's what we need to talk about next, right? The different, or, what the different colors mean? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to go into what they mean or? or yeah. Okay. Mean? So um, anyway, I, I think that it's the other thing that I had written down here was Matthew chapter seven, verse thirteen and fourteen, and and it said that the gate was was exactly twenty cubits, mm-hmm. and it was made of white linen, blue, purple, and scarlet thread all woven into it. Mm-hmm. Now. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly why twenty cubits. But if God told Moses he wanted it exactly twenty cubits, then that makes me think that we have a God that pays attention to details, mm-hmm. right? And oh, yeah. and even like the small things that we don't like. Oh, well, God doesn't really care about that, or does he? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's what kind of really caught my attention from it all. But go ahead, yeah. yeah. I, Talk I about the colors. It. Okay, so. The four colors. Okay, so white um, was the first one Aubrey listed. That means purity, of course. We talked about that with the linen um, on the fence. Blue means heaven and divinity. Mm-hmm. Purple means royalty. And scarlet means blood. So together they represent the way. We just talked about Jesus being the way. Into the tabernacle. Okay, it will be by one. Jesus, okay, who is sinless and both God from heaven and king that paid the price for our redemption with his pure and righteous blood. Mm -hmm. We can walk into the outer courts through Jesus's sacrifice. Okay, so it's it's just such a beautiful picture. You're walking through, you, you know, these beautiful curtains that have all these colors that have so many symbolisms of the redemption and and Jesus being our savior. I just, oh my gosh, it's just so amazing. I, oh, yeah. Favorite. yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. there were four posts holding up the curtains. Do you want me to go into that? Yeah. yeah. There are four posts. Okay. That represent that this entrance is available to mm-hmm. all, even to the four corners of the earth. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's cool because even, even before, Right when when Paul Paul enters onto the scene and and says that he's commissioned by God to reach pagans mm-hmm. Gentiles yeah in, you know outside welcoming them into the fold a lot of Jews hated that mm-hmm. but the reality is even symbolically all the way back in Exodus um, or you know at least in in Numbers and in the Old Testament of building the tabernacle God always showed His people that it was bigger than they even anticipated yeah. it to be. Why was there four corners on the gate? Why why was there four corners right here? Because he wanted to show it's for all all the earth, four all corners four of corners the of the it earth. It's available to yeah. everyone. And you know, it, yeah, um, it was I funny because um, you know, I, I sit there and I think about I think about the colors and, and I really got stuck on the scarlet one. And, you know, we just talked about the reason you would come to the tabernacle was to offer a sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and everything. And, and of course, scarlet is basically red, yeah. you know. And so um, you, would, you would see that there would be red and, and that color red being there because people knew that they were coming, that the blood was going to be spilled 
on their behalf for them and their family as they came in. And so like even even these smaller details of even seeing that color, God wanted Moses as he was building this to let the people know that they needed all these visuals before they walk in because as you walk from your tent all the way to the tabernacle, God, I believe, wanted your mindset really focusing on what you were about to do, what was about to unfold, and nothing would get past you because he, he wanted it to be something that you have to sort out. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's 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 like the, the Bible says, let each person, let each man sort out their own salvation with fear mm-hmm. and trembling. God wants us to wrestle with things. He wants us to understand the weight of our sin. You know, he wants us to understand what exactly we're doing it before we do it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm just blown away. Like even as we were reading this, I was just going, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. Well, and, and say, okay, whenever we were talking earlier, you had a revelation, say that revelation so they can picture the, the Christian walk or what, what did you? Oh yeah. Cause that's such a good visualization visualization for them as we talk about these things. Yeah. So, okay. So basically when we were planning out this episode, I, w- I was sitting there thinking about, I was like tabernacle. Um, and each section that we're about to talk, we got two more sections that we're going to talk about before we end this episode and then start yeah. on the next one. Um, but the, the tabernacle is a physical representation, I believe, of the path of a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we understand that we, the sacrifice has already been made for us, but it mm-hmm. doesn't take away the symbolization of it. It doesn't take away the fact that Jesus did all of this for us. But as we get to the next two stops, like I want you to know that this is our walk with Christ mm-hmm. that we are about to walk into because it's more than just about knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This thing goes deeper. If you remember in 1 Corinthians, I believe, Paul says that he wanted to share spiritual things with the people of the church of Corinth, but he couldn't because they couldn't understand the deeper things of God. Mm-hmm. This is about. This is what we're about to talk about. We're about to talk about the symbolism of how this goes on because what we're going into next, we're going into the the bronze altar, or the brazen altar, and then what's the, what's the next one? The, where you the clo- bronze laver. Yeah, laver. Okay. We think that's how it's pronounced. Okay, so yeah, just to break it down, we're gonna go into more into more details for just a second because all these things matter. But yeah. the bronze altar is the is it's big. It's right inside. You'll oh, yeah. see it in the picture. It's like it's right like, in your face when yeah, you walk in. It's right there. That's where all the sacrifices are made. Mm-hmm. That's in the outer courts. So then you go to the bronze laver that's right after that. That's where you make your sacrifice. Then you have to cleanse yourself. You have to purify yourself before you can walk into the inner courts and then the Holy of Holies. Which, of course, we which, wouldn't have been able to go which, in Yeah, which we would have never Only been able to. Only the priest yeah. once a year could go yeah, to the Holy of basically. Holies. Basically. Mm-hmm. And so, but you, you have to understand that you can come in. The sacrifice has already been made, but I want to go ahead and just jump into this, I guess. Um, so um, the, the, the curtain, just to finish off that, was made in with like very clear and bright colors and that it was the interest of the tabernacle. Like the Lord wanted everybody to know, like this, this is what you're about to do, so get ready. So the first step that you go into, let's say we are Jewish people and we are bringing our sacrifice in, the very first stop is in the picture, it's the bronze altar. And this 
is the representation of Isaiah 53, right? The, the, this is the representation of Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. He has been made a sacrifice for mm-hmm. us. The unblemished lamb right. sacrifice. And so this is the position where us as believers, they went to actually sacrifice an animal or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we already know that Jesus paid the price for us. So this is where we as Christians, this is our first step on the path of Christianity, uh, of following Jesus. This is where we get to surrender our life because we understand that because of our sin, because of my sin, Jesus paid the price for me. And so this is the very first step. This is where we get to lay it all down. Every single thing you come across with the tabernacle, it's a reminder of you needing to give praise and gratitude of what, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, the colorful curtains going through knowing what Jesus did, seeing the altar right in front of, I mean... We should be just overflowing with praise and great gratefulness, yeah. you know, and gratitude for what Jesus did for us. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, so you want to you want to talk about coming into the outer courts of the tabernacle? Uh, is that not what David said in Psalms that we bring a mm-hmm. sacrifice of praise? Yeah. Uh, to, uh, talking about, um, yeah, enter his gate with, with thanksgiving, thanksgiving in Psalms a hundred. Yeah. That, that's literally what he's saying. He's talking about this the the and same I mean, symbol that David's, we're talking about right now. David's experience is this tabernacle, right? right? He right. wanted to build a bigger one, but that was saved for Solomon. So yeah, he was picturing this. Yeah, David had a similar tabernacle yeah. to this one. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, you know, you, you have this. Um, I, I want to say this because I think this is powerful. God said in, in Exodus, in the Old Testament, he talked about the bronze altar more times oh, and he mm-hmm. called it holy more times than Most anything holy. else than, than anything else inside of this thing it's because i think i believe that god held such a high regard for what his son was going to do in the future mm-hmm. that he wanted everybody to know that enters comes upon the brazen altar that this is holy yeah and the lord God said it four times. And so yeah. yet again, it reiterates yeah. the four corners of the earth. Yeah, this another is, Jesus times. died for every single person. It's just so awesome. And also, this altar was five cubits yeah, squared. Oh, were you about to yeah. say it? And five mean it's symbolic for grace, God's unearned favor. Okay, and it represented our Lord Jesus' cross where he took the fiery mm. judgment for our sin. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so inside... Uh, inside the, the inside the inner courts they have the altar of incense D- just to give you a brief thing for those of you guys that are listening god only called that holy one time and that's on the inside that's right next to the holy of that's holies. that's after the purification <laughs> process yeah. so he called the bronze altar holy four times so god holds that in high regard. And you know something else I just remembered, Aubrey, that they talked about was whenever you would sacrifice an animal on the altar, you would get dip some of the blood and put it on each corner yeah. mm-hmm. of the altar. Like, wow, the four <laughs> corners of the earth. Yet again, let's reiterate that again. It's for everyone. Yeah. And so, okay, so the, the writer of the article that, that we read like went into such really cool detail with this because if you're talking about the altar... All of us, if you're probably even watching this podcast right now, you know who Jesus is. Maybe at any given time, you surrendered your life to Christ. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you've been to church. You have a Bible. Maybe, maybe you don't. Um, but either way, uh, I think it's important that 
he he says in this moment, um, when when the children of Israel would come up to the bronze altar, they would be bringing a sacrifice, a personal sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like they had something in the game, they had something on the table to sacrifice to for the forgiveness of their sins. Us, Jesus already paid that price for us, so we don't have mm-hmm. any skin in the game. So it's easy for a lot of us to sit there and go, oh, well, Jesus already did that. Anyway, next, move mm-hmm. on. No, this this is the this is the important part where we have to understand that it was for you. It was for me. A lot of times in Christianity, we like to switch that around and we like to put we, like Christ died for us, you know, he died for everyone, everywhere. True statements. But the thing is, God wants this to be personal. Mm-hmm. God wants this. Jesus wants an intimate relationship with you and with me. This is not just some, oh, uh, th- some, you know, Pharisee type thing where we're just doing it for show. No, this first step into the tabernacle, uh, those of us that are Christ followers, we need to understand that Jesus did it for me. Mm-hmm. That blood was shed for me. And in return, at this point in time, this is where you lay it all down. In In the Old Testament, when you would bring your sacrifice to the altar, as soon as that sacrifice was burned up, you're, you were forgiven. Mm-hmm. Y- you went forward as though everything in the past was gone. But too many times we go up to this same altar and we say, Jesus, I need you in my life. This is what's going on. And then as soon as we get up, we take all of our junk back back with us. And this goes completely against what the altar was meant to do. It was supposed to be something that like washed the slate clean. By the time you, you gave the sacrifice and you walked out, you were supposed to be spiritually as white as the linen cloths that were around because mm-hmm. God was saying, hey, I accept your sacrifice, go, mm-hmm. go and sin no more, right? But um, this this is a, this is the thing. Or we have a lot of people that come to Jesus at different times. Maybe you're desperate and you come to the Lord, but then as soon as things get good again, you go right back to doing life your own way. Mm-hmm. This is not this type of moment. We don't just get to recognize Jesus did this for me. This is a laying down. I'm bringing something. He laid his life down for me in exchange. I give my life to him. It's not a, it's not a negotiable thing where it's like, oh, well, Jesus just comes and rescues me whenever I'm desperate, or I just want to get into heaven. So I'm going to do this. No, this is a life in exchange for a life. You, you can acknowledge, you can give the head nod to Jesus all you want to, but unless you give him your heart, it's, you don't get to go past this first stage. Mm-hmm. You get to sit outside the gate. Jesus says that I'm the gate. If anybody tries to come in any other way than me, they're a thief, they're a robber. And that's that's a powerful thing yeah. to kind of to kind of go into. But this is the challenge today. Like everybody that's listening to this, I want you to really think about this and go, man, 
This was a sacrificial thing. Mm -hmm. The same bloody violence that would have taken place in the Old Testament to an animal happened to Jesus in the New Mm -hmm. Testament. Blood was shed for us. And I'm not saying that in a so we can all feel good. I'm talking about for you. I'm talking about specifically, this is hitting my heart right now. That's like, dude, you got to lay it all down at this altar and you got to walk up and you got to turn from all these things and never look at them again. Yeah. That's That's power. So but that's not it. This, mm-hmm, that is not it. Because then, <laughs> right after the altar, then you have the bronze laver. Yeah. Um, I, I love this picture. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to read it straightforward. Um, some that have been saved or born again at the bronze altar will decide to move forward to the bronze laver, where they choose to yield mm. to Jesus as Lord in their spiritual hearts and thus allow the word of God to purify and separate them to God as they live for him. Most people never make it to this yeah. to this point. Or they come up to it and, you know, what was so interesting about how this was created, this labor, right? Every woman that had like bronze mirrors, they gave it, they sacrificed it, gave it to the guy that, that created this. Okay, so this was made out of mirrors back in the day. So while you're cleaning yourself, you see yourself. You're mm. looking. You can see every dirt stain that's on you, every bit of blood that's left from what you just sacrificed, all these different things, and you're cleaning it. And the Lord takes us through these stages where we are exposed. I mean, he shows us what we dealt with when we were little and why we act the way we do now. And there's, you know, he'll show us these things. And most of, most of us are like, we get a little taste. We're like, no, nah, we good. Let's go back. Go back to the outer course. This is too much. Like, I do not want to think about you know, how, what a dirty person I am or what I've done, or, you know, I don't want to honestly be better. I think I'll make it to heaven from here and I can live my comfortable life Mm. and that's fine. But we miss the most important part. And, you know, it's this statement. When you get to the bronze laver, this is what you're saying. Okay. You say, Jesus, you died for me, which was the altar, right? And now I will live for you. The labor. Mm. That's exactly what Aubrey was just talking about. And coming to this place and clean, cleansing yourself is expressing that. I will live for you. It's just like last week when I talked about that full surrender. What does full surrender look like for you? Well, for me, it looks like this bronze labor. It's not pretty. I mean, I'm sure it was pretty, but I'm saying what you're cleaning off of you is not pretty. It's being exposed. I mean... It's, it's just crazy, but only those that have yielded to Jesus as both Savior and Lord will be able to enter into the holy place. And you have to stop at this point before you can mm. do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you said only those who have yielded to Jesus as both Savior and Lord mm-hmm. will can enter the holy place. That's what I think is powerful because we're, we're only on the first two steps of this journey that we, we have the inner courts and then we have the Holy of Holies mm-hmm. left to go for next week. But the thing is, I, I would I would venture to say that the majority of Christians today will they they will kneel down at the bronze altar and at different times in their life they will seriously give it all mm-hmm. to the Lord in those moments, but they won't move beyond that point. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is if you never move beyond the altar and go to the uh Say it again. Laver. The wash laver. bin. The wash bin, wash. yeah. Basically, wash. You, you won't go into the inner courts and you won't go into the Holy of Holies. The, the beautiful thing about this picture is we no longer need any of this stuff 
-hmm. because Christ has been made that we don't have a tabernacle. When Jesus died, the veil was torn. The veil was torn. God came out of the temple. And so he's, he, we all have access, but the, the path is still the same. The physical path is not there anymore, mm-hmm. but the spiritual path is there. Yeah. You have to give your heart to the Lord. But most of us will spend our time wandering around the outer courts mm-hmm. because we won't ever let the Word and the Holy Spirit change us enough to be washed Yep. to go into the inner courts so that we can spend time with the creator of heaven and earth in the Holy of Holies. The, re- the sad reality is most people won't get to that point because it requires you to give up something. Mm-hmm. It requires you to give up everything, actually. Let me say that. Let me, let, me say, let me be more vocal about it. But yeah, like you're saying, you're literally saying, Jesus, you died for me, so I'm choosing to live for you. Not... Not, yeah, I'm a Christian in name, or I go to church on Sundays, or I give weekly at my church. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the outside. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the things that you do. Yeah. We already have a teaching on that about the sheep and the goats. It's, it's, not, about, it's not about what you do. It's, it's about what's going on in here, the personal relationship with Jesus. And you can't put on, you can't put on a front for that. That's something that only God sees the heart, and and that's where we get to. And this is the part of where you want to talk about what Paul's saying, that you can't understand the deeper spiritual things. You can't understand those until you get past these first two bends, and we get into the inner courts, and we get into the Holy of Holies. Paul is saying you're never going to understand deep spiritual things until you do this. Hmm. Yeah. And that's a challenge. That's a that's a challenge to my heart too. It's like, how, Lord, how often am I am I remembering what Christ did and really sacrificing it all and washing myself, letting the Word wash me clean and purify me from the inside out? Mm. You know, not just putting on a show for people to see and not not just going, oh man, look at Aubrey. He he does all this stuff. He must be he he definitely is a Christian. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but you shook your head. I was just trying. To no, I know. I'm saying because <laughs> no, because that's the mentality that we yeah. all get in. My head was shaking because it's like <laughs> we always think, "What else can I do?" Mm-hmm. Yep. Because we think it's all about doing when yes. it's really God's like saying, "Hey, the tabernacle was a way for my children to purify themselves before they come before me." And we have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the sacrifice has already been made, but the purification, the sanctification mm-hmm. process still has to be walked out. Well, and the Israelites, they didn't just go to the tabernacle one time and do all this. They did this regularly. regularly. And that's what we're called to do spiritually. We're, we're called to do this regularly because we live in a fallen world and we are human beings and things come up. And we make mistakes and we do things like that. So it, it could be an everyday thing when you come up to those, the white fence and you go through the curtain and you see the altar and you're like, I've done this before. Yeah, they did too. You know, yeah. we, we live in the world we live in. This is not our home. This is how we do it. Because just like Paul says, I do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do what I do. Pretty much. <laughs> That's yeah. the, the Jordan short notes. But... This is what it is. This is what it looks like. And 
it's it's beautiful but it's difficult and it's messy and it is sometimes not beautiful and but i promise you it's worth it every single time yeah yeah so anyway we're gonna continue (laughs) yeah so anyways (laughs) (laughs) sorry i'm sweating like i'm over here like jeez i'm convicted Completely. Looks like we're at the old watch bin yeah, right looks now. Like I'm walking up by the white linens right now going, man, no. Those are real white. Uh, yeah. But listen, we're, we're so thankful that you guys continue to support us. Um, reach out to us if, if there's anything that we can do for you. But if not, we're going to come back next week and we're going to finish up this tabernacle illustration with the holy place. The holy place and or the, the inner courts in the holy of holies, right? So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, we love you guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. I'll say bye. (laughs) See ya. (laughs)